fourth, fourth right um, class of the concentration class. I'd like us to begin with a short sitting. Um, we sit together for ten minutes, and um, I'm not going to give any guided meditation. Just sit in silence, and use the silent ten minutes as a time to prepare yourself to get yourself here. Uh, in, uh, intentionally, with sense of purpose, sense of being conscientious and being kind of mindful, that you're gonna you're gonna kind of use those ten minutes to arrive and really be here, this place, this time. Um, take care of whatever distractions you might have or whatever else might be going on, and use the ten minutes to kind of work, massage yourself, find yourself settled here. Uh, in this place the best you can. Get yourself settled and concentrated. So welcome back to our fourth day concentration class. A very important aspect of concentration is having a non-distracted mind. A non-distracted mind is one that then can be focused. Most people, most of the time, will find that their mind is distracted, distractible, distracted state. Um, pretty much anybody who sits down to meditate will discover that, that there's all these kind of you know, centrifugal forces in the mind, you're going to scatter outwards and Restless, agitated, the business busyness of the day is continues in the busyness of the mind. The mind is tired or sleepy. There's all these forces in the mind that keep the mind from being settled or being focused, keeps it kind of easily to get distracted. When um, a person wants to develop samadhi or concentration, they have to work with that distractibility of the mind. And there are two primary ways of doing that. Uh, one is to let go of the distractibility of the mind, to let go of you know, certainly all the thoughts you have, let go of them, but more deep, deeply, letting go of the, the structure underneath, the, uh, let go of the, the, the impulses underneath the thoughts, the impulse to think or the impulse to be distracted, to let go. And for some people that works really well, they can let go really well. And as they let go, the mind gets less and less distractible and more and more stable. The other way is to use our intentionality, to use our capacity to be directed in the mind, direct the mind, focus the mind intentionally on something like the breath, some object, and really kind of stay there. And then there's a a tension in the mind between the force that wants to kind of spin you out into thoughts and that force which you're applying to keep you steady. And so there's a kind of a tug and war between the two of them. And as you develop your strength of concentration, then uh, with time, the ability to be focused, intentional, intentionally focused, becomes greater than the force of distractibility. And, um, and, there's, and there's, there's a play back and forth. So that sometimes, if we're, the mind is in a very distractible state, uh, it might be that no matter how intentional and how strong your concentration is, you can't overcome the strength of distractibility. Other times, distractible, distractibility of the mind is really, really low. Uh, and so you don't need a lot of concentration, a lot of effort, a lot of intentionality to get yourself focused. Um, 
so two, two general ways. One is to let go and one is to kind of hold the mind steady on something. So they're very intentional. With time, as the concentration gets stronger, becomes more natural or becomes more second nature or gets established, the intentional aspect of concentration falls away. And so we don't have to mi- direct our effort anymore to stay there. But uh, as the mind becomes less and less distractible, it becomes more and more natural, easy to stay present and, uh, and just be there. And eventually, the intentionality disappears entirely. The, the directedness, directing the mind, we stop directing the mind. We're just there. But until that point arrives, the, um, um, these two qualities are important, letting go and being intentional. I think when you first sit down to develop concentration practice, it's very important to s- uh, sit down in a very intentional way. Uh, be very clear, by, maybe by talking to yourself and saying it to yourself, here I am, this is what I'm doing. I'm here to get concentrated, I'm here to sit. I'm not here to think about what happened at work or what's happening on television or something. I'm sitting here. This is, this is where I'm going to be. And, and, we do, and have that intentional quality of sitting, maybe in your posture, have a feel it in your body. Here I am. This is where I am. Kind of feel the solidity of your body here, the weight of it. Just feel it. Here I am. And then whatever else you can do to kind of intentionally gather yourself together, to gather yourself, ga- gather your being here in this place in this time is useful. Um, the, um, some people will find it useful to uh, do some kind of preliminary work before sitting to meditate. And I've talked about this, you know, uh, maybe sitting and just uh, taking it easy, having a cup of tea for 10 minutes, and that gets you in the mood, so it can re- help you really be here. Or maybe going for a run or taking a shower. Um, you know, as I said, maybe the first day, one of the supports for developing concentration is having a clean environment and having clean clothes. So you can be that intentional. You can actually go and take a shower, put on clean clothes, new clothes. <laughs> That's kind of expensive, putting new clothes every day. <laughs> but you know, put on new, new clean clothes. And if your room is a mess, uh, tidy it up a little bit before you sit. And then do your sitting. So, that, so there's order and stability around you and cleanliness and kind of, kind of makes you give a, gives, you, gives you a good feeling about being here. And also it creates a sense of intentionality. That's, this is what I'm doing. Um, and then there's a number of other things you can do. Uh, and one of the things, for example, is chanting uh, or reciting or, or saying it over in your mind if you, know, if you have something like the Metta Sutta, if you memorized it. And that somehow exercises the mind, gets it kind of moving in a kind of directed way, a focused way. And, and it kind of gets, gets the mind kind of, kind of geared up into being focused so that once you end the chant you're doing or the reciting you're doing, your mind is more likely to be present, and some of the distractions, some of the distractions have kind of faded away, or you lost your interest in them. Some people find it very helpful uh, to uh, connect to something that's inspiring about their spiritual life before they sit down to meditate. Um, so, in order to kind of, so the mind, the psyche, can kind of get a little bit straightened out in terms of its priorities. So, if you sit, you know, maybe read, read a Dharma book, for example, or some book by a Dharma teacher. And it can just be reading a paragraph or a page. You say, oh yeah, that's what it's about. That's, this is really important. Uh, all that concern I had about how my stocks are doing, that's incidental. That's, you know, that's not really that important. What's important is this spiritual life of mine. Um, uh, that's what I can take with me when the stock market crashes. Um, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, let's kind of work on what I can, you know. And so, so somehow or other, you know, I don't know what, how it is for each of you, but 
somehow to, to inspire the mind with faith, with confidence, with with a sense of you know this is really a wonderful, important thing to do, and um, and it's more important than thinking about uh, what am I going to have for dinner or you know all kinds of other things that the mind want, might want to do. So all this is kind of getting yourself in the mood, getting yourself kind of ready and prepared, and doing it intentionally. To sit down, just kind of walk off the street, you know, and come home and slam the door and sit down and say, okay, I'm going to get concentrated. Maybe you can, and I'm sure it's helpful. I'm sure it's a nice thing to do. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But it's probably better off if you have kind of a sense of intentionality and respect and care in what you're doing, and you set yourself up to do it in a nice way. Some of you might be interested in doing it much more elaborate and involved. Some some of you might, um, you know, might be too much and you just don't like all that kind of stuff. Some people do it very ritualistically, kind of almost like a ritual every day. And the repetition of a ritual also is very helpful to getting the mind geared up and getting ready to do something. There are some times when the mind is distracted and there's nothing you can do to get concentrated. You might uh, um, have some major argument with a good friend and maybe you're able to get good concentration for, you know, for some time. And then after this big argument, you find it might take weeks and weeks before you can get yourself concentrated again because somehow the, the, that's reverberating in your mind before, until it gets settled and processed. So there are things that can happen that as you go along that uh, might make it difficult. And you have to kind of work with patience with that and with grace with that as it happens. Um, I heard an uh, interesting thing this week. In my son's school, there's a a young girl who um, has um, dyslexia. How you pronounce it? I must have it myself because I always confuse the words of that word. Dyslexia. And so um, she's having a really hard time learning how to read. So um, she was sent, uh, she went, my mother took her for a week at a a special week-long workshop for children with dyslexia to help teach them to read. And um, the person who's figured out this workshop figured out that people with dyslexia tend to, their minds works differently than people who don't have it. And they tend to be much more visually oriented and spatially oriented than people who, um, you know, can read much more with greater ease, kind of read linearly. And so they do things like create um, uh, uh, um, sculptures of all the letters. So they have a visual image, a three-dimensional image of the letter. And they have, um, and there's some words, like 281 words in the English language, apparently, which don't have easy images associated with them. So the kids make these sculptures of those words, so they have an image associated with it. So when they see that word, they see an image, so that it helps them to read. But the most interesting thing in terms of the concentration was um, the, um, the teacher, if I, if I have it, uh, uh, explained to the kids something like this. Um, um, imagine that you're looking at a slice of pizza. And then move around and look at the pizza from the back side, from the crust side. And then move your mind around, it's all, all in the mind, and imagine yourself looking at this one side. And then imagine you're looking at it from the point side looking at the point and move around and look at it. You know, and apparently kids with dyslexia have a pretty good, apparently a good ability to use their visual mind like that and kind of move around it's in their mental space and kind of looking at different angles at, at um, what, you know, what is going on. 
And then the teacher said, okay, so then imagine that you go behind the pizza crust, you know, that part of the wide side of the wedge, and, and it's behind your head, and you're kind of there behind your head, and the point of the pizza is going straight ahead. And imagine that you're there and you're kind of following that point and looking straight ahead into uh, what you're focusing on. And uh, the mother who was with the daughter the whole time said, it was really amazing to watch my daughter learn this skill. I couldn't make any sense of it myself. But my, uh, my daughter, you could see, I can see her now, she kind of gets into, into this little mode and she gets kind of focused in a way she had never seen her focus before. This image and this idea of kind of being behind her head a little bit and looking down at something was what helped her to be concentrated. So I say that because um, everyone, each of us has our own particular unique mind, how it works. And sometimes having some sense of, of how to work our mind can be helpful. Some people uh, I know have, uh, uh, have used uh, visualizations to get themselves concentrated. Um, so, because a kind of visualization image is kind of really captivating for the mind, it's really interesting for some people. I know one person who used the image of herself as a as a soaring eagle, and she's imagining herself kind of soaring, and somehow that image of her soaring kind of helped her kind of really be present in the moment and get concentrated. Um, and there's a variety of things you might use as an image. Um, I know one person, another person who had the idea, of also a bird image, where she imagined she was a hawk high, high, high up in the sky. And, uh, and the hawks have this great vision. So she imagines they have this great vision. She's kind of just seeing what, what was there. Um, I like the imagery sometimes of the ocean waves uh, washing back and forth across the beach. And so imagine the breath. is like the ocean uh, washing across the beach, you know, the in-breath and the out-breath. Somehow that image kind of gets me connected to the breath. And um, generally when people do mindfulness practice, it's not a good idea to do visualization like that. It's a very different process. But for de- developing concentration, visualization can be quite helpful. And so if there's a simple thing that you can do, then um, you can do the visualization as a way of getting started. And once you feel yourself getting started and you're present and calm down, then maybe you can let go of the visualization and then focus on the breath or whatever the object is. Um, So, you know, so part of this, what I would say is that play with the mind. Experiment. Experiment with the mind in different ways and see if there's ways in which you can um, begin working the mind in different ways than your normal mind is used. And maybe that's helpful to get concentrated. Um, it's almost like, you know, what, what, you know, from a kind of physiological point of view, concentration practice is kind of working our brain waves in a biochemistry in different ways. And... Um, and um, readjusting and changing it, settling it. And so, you know, we're kind of, kind of learning how all the different kind of buttons in the mind work and the brain work. We're learning, you know, the different factors and how to play, play them. And the, 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 both the mind and the brain is three-dimensional. And I would suggest, I don't know if it's true, but I suggest most people work kind of like on a two-dimensional model of their mind. And so if you begin kind of getting a three-dimensional quality of the mind and begin kind of playing, oh, how, what would it be like to to focus on the breath from that part of the mind or from that part of the body or from this angle or like this, you know. Kind of find what it takes, what, what works for you um, to get concentrated. Um, 
so there's this, this intentional quality that's necessary. And um, some people need to develop strength and intentionality to be able to hang in their resolve and be resolved. And you have to develop their capacity to be resolved. This is what I'm doing. I'm, do- I'm doing this. I'm following my breath. When I was in Burma, um, it was observed that um, when the Burmese teacher told the Burmese to follow the breath, uh, they did. Uh, you know, it's a patriarchal culture. And if the patriarch of the family tells you what to do, you do it. And so he's the model of the Buddhist teacher in Burma is that the Buddhist teacher is the is the kind of the father figure. The father tells you what to do. So you follow, follow your breath, you do it. Westerners, Americans, when they came <laughs> to Burma and had this father figure tell them to follow your breath, well, there was a lot of confusion about that. And, uh, you know, all these issues about their father and their mother and, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and autonomy and, you know, and being independent and, you know, it was not so easy because, you know, just to follow their breath. But, you know, often it was, you know, it seemed very easy for the many, many of the Burmese to follow their breath compared to the Westerners who struggled for months sometimes. Um, so this capacity to kind of just settle down, be resolved, and here I am, this is what I'm doing, uh, is very important. So um, it would be very nice uh, this evening if someone would recite the Metta Sutta. You're supposed to have memorized it, or memorizing it. Anybody would like to do it? And um, thank you. Would you mind doing it with the mic? It's workable for you. To reach the state of peace, one skilled in the good should be capable and upright. Straightforward and easy to speak to, gentle and not proud, contented and easily supported living lightly and with few duties, wise wise and with senses calmed, not arrogant and without greed for supporters and should not do the least thing that the wise would criticize. One should reflect. May all be happy and secure. May all beings be happy at heart. All living beings, whether weak or strong, tall, large, medium or short, tiny or big, seen or unseen, near or distant, born or to be born, may they all be happy. Let no one, let no one despise another, or de- let no one deceive another or despise anyone anywhere. Let no one, through anger or aversion, wish for others to suffer, as a mother would, pr- would risk her own life to protect her child, her only child. So toward all beings should we cultivate a boundless heart. With loving kindness for the whole world should we cultivate a boundless heart, above, below, and all around, without obstruction, without hate, and without ill will. 
standing or walking, sitting or lying down, whenever we are awake, may we stay with this recollection. This is called a sublime abiding, here and now. One who is virtuous, endowed with vision, not taken by views, and having overcome all greed for sensual pleasure, will not be reborn again. Thank you very much. Very nice. Thank you. So, what I'd like us to do now is, um, in a moment, is for everyone to recite it together, the best you can. And then uh, we'll do another sitting. But if you so, if you'd like to stretch a little bit, uh, just for 30 seconds or so, you're welcome to stand and do that. <coughs> so let's uh, all do it together. To reach the state of peace, one skilled in the good should be capable and upright, straightforward and easy to speak to, gentle and not proud, contented and easy supported, living lightly and with few duties, wise and with senses calm, not arrogant.
gentle, at ease with yourself. Set yourself in an intentional posture for meditation. The intentional side of meditation does not need to be forced or hard. Be at ease with yourself, but then carefully, conscientiously gather yourself together in your body and mind here. We want our body and mind to be together in the same place at the same time. If you're thinking about yesterday or tomorrow, then your mind is in a different time and place than your body, which is here. So you're bringing your mind here. You might even start thinking about here, thinking about your body, feeling it, exploring it, letting your mind suffuse your body with awareness. you arrive here and be settled, it can be helpful to think about the preciousness of human life, of the lived life of being alive now. <coughs> right now your experience, your lived experience, is important, is precious. which I use sometimes is the image of lowering myself into a refreshing pool of water, lowering the body into it. In the same way, can you imagine your awareness, yourself, your being, lowering itself into the body? So you become more embodied, more here, like you're lowering yourself into a refreshing pool of water. Settle through the body. If you feel any tension anywhere, as you exhale, maybe you can imagine it dissolving as you let go or soften with it dissolving in the water.
then take a few moments to see if you can find a good feeling in your body, in your being. Something that feels kind of nice or comfortable, feeling contentment or ease or pleasure. Or if it's easy, you can evoke a sense of contentment or ease. Maybe even delight, peaceful delight for being here in this body at this time. to the breath and making a choice, an intentional choice, now to direct the attention on the breath. You might begin by taking a few deeper breaths than usual so that there's an intentional quality to breathing that helps the intentionality of your awareness, connecting the breath with the awareness, feeling the breath more fully more sensations of the breath by breathing more deeply. Feeling the breath more deeply so the mind more easily begins to turn itself to focus on the breath, to be familiar with it. slowly let the breath return to normal. if you can adjust your breathing within the normal range of breath, the natural range, so the breath is more comfortable, more enjoyable, more contentment as you breathe, relaxing as you breathe out perhaps, so you breathe out more fully. Breathing in a teeny bit more fully. Or maybe it's breathing into the rib cage or letting the diaphragm be more relaxed or the belly softer. Or maybe it's enjoying that very brief pause between breathing out and breathing in. 
it's uh, not always possible, but when possible, see if you can tune into something which is pleasant or enjoyable about the breathing, the, sens the sensations of breathing, whether it's the whole breath body expanding and contracting, or a particular spot, a particular phase in the cycle. a resolve, be resolved, you're going to stay with the breath, one breath after the other, letting go of whatever interferes with that. Applying a little bit of strength to hang in there with each breath, and if it helps you can count. Stay there with the breath, so the breath becomes the center of your universe. The most important thing going on right now is just breathing, breathing in an enjoyable way.
judge how well you're doing. Whatever energy or effort you have in judging what's going on, use that energy instead for staying with the breath, for focusing. Letting yourself sink into the breath. sometimes instructed to make a very small, little teeny little smile in the corner of your mouth. And as you smile, if there arises or happens to be feelings of pleasure or well-being that arises because of that, See if there's some way if those that pleasure or good feeling comes from smiling can encourage you to stay with the breath and that the, in turn staying with the breath kind of helps that good feeling to grow or spread.
sometimes having a sense of the stillness around you or the stillness around the breathing can help you help a person stay with the breath more easily will help the mind become stiller in its focus If there's any tendency to think about how poorly it's going, don't, don't bother with that. And if instead, it might be more useful to focus on how it is working. Or focus on the softness, stillness, breathing in, breathing out. you can imagine that the awareness is like a hand that's placed on the sensations of breathing. And you're not going to let the hand pull away. So, the kind, so throughout the whole cycle of breathing, breathing in and out and between, beginning of the in-breath, the end of the out-breath, the awareness just rests there, stays there, in touch with the breathing.
And then in the last minute of the sitting, let go of the breath. And then review the sittings. Take a minute or so to review what it was like for you. Review the quality of your effort, what happened. Now that you review it, could you imagine that you could have been a little bit more resolved or intentional? Or could you let go of things faster or more willingly? Or So the more stress we have, the more tension we carry with us, the more likely it is for the mind to spin out in thoughts, to be preoccupied with thoughts and concerns. The more calm we are, the more settled and relaxed we are, the more likely it is we're able to kind of actually stay present because there's not going to be so much fuel for having the mind wander off and spin around. So an important part of getting concentrated is to get calm. You can get too calm, so you have to be watched for that, so you make, keep a good effort and energy going at the same time. Um, the, uh, the process of getting concentrated is described sometimes as a process of unification, of bringing all the different aspects of the body, mind, and harmony working together. As that begins to happen, and as the hindrances, as we talked about last week, no longer are grabbing us, or different thoughts don't grab us, and we're not compelled or seduced into going off into different thoughts and concerns. And we can just stay there, the mind can stay there on the breath without being distracted. Then uh, it's said that we've arrived at a stage called access concentration, or sometimes called neighborhood concentration. With, is the access point or the threshold for going into a whole other realm of consciousness, a whole other dimension of, of meditation. And um, as a person gets into this access concentration and the, there's very little tendency to just be distracted anymore, the hindrances are put to rest, you, um, you're not so easily pull, pulled aside, then the practice continues just to be focused, focus oneself, one-pointedly, as best you can, on whatever the object of attention is. Be one-pointed on the breath, for example. 
And th this point is generally tends to be good to choose a very small area of the breath. So it's a really precise focus at this point. It doesn't have to be, but I think that's often I think, the best with the breath. And then, um, and just stay there. And some teachers will encourage meditators to uh, spend a lot of time in access concentration. Don't be in a hurry to go deeper. Um, there are deep, these deeper states. But there's one, one approach to developing meditation is to, is to develop deeper states of meditation slowly. So you get familiar with, with each of the different levels you can go in and so that you get um, uh, stabilized in it and you get integrated in it and you get to develop it kind of to a fuller capacity. It's possible to go kind of quickly through different stages of meditation and it's kind of rewarding to go deeper but it's kind of not so stable each time you go. And a lot of the, the benefits and the integration of our psychophysical being that can happen doesn't really happen if we kind of go through deeper and deeper very fast. So some teachers will say it's really good when you get to access concentration. Okay, let's just, um, we won't give you any more instructions about how to go further. Let's just kind of get you to, to go um, and go stay, stay there longer. Let's, you know, that was great. You were able to stay there for five minutes or one minute. That was great. Now let's see if we can do it 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Can you really kind of uh, stretch how long you stay there? And can you begin exploring the little bit of terrain of what's going on in access concentration? What are some of the different factors, the different physical, the mental factors that come into play? In particular, these pe the teachers who like to kind of keep the person in access concentration for some time, there is some investigation that can happen there. And sometimes uh, te uh, the person is encouraged to investigate uh, or notice the presence of five different mental factors. Um, there's a lot of different mental factors that can come into play, but there's five which are really helpful for the process of going deeper. And um, the first one is the initial, what's called in a maybe awkward way, the initial application of mind. The initial kind of, kind of bringing the mind to focus on the breath, the focus, the beginning, of, you know, the first intention and placing the mind there. The second is what's called a sustained application of mind or a direction of mind. That's where you sustain the attention on the object. So we talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, you know, like the polishing the bowl, you put the, the cloth on the bowl, that's the initial effort. And then the sustained effort is to then to rub the bowl. So, um, so you said noticing a little bit that ability of the mind to do that. It's not always easy to do that. Um, I've had some trouble, trouble with this particular one, but um, even though I'm doing it, I know I'm doing it, it seems obvious I'm doing it, but a little bit, it's kind of strange in that this access state to kind of actually, for me, to kind of identify it. Other people have an easy time. Sometimes it's easier to, well, that's the whole story. But um, um, then, uh, so that, there's two factors, the initial and the sustained application of attention. The next one is to notice joy. And uh, joy can be very subtle and it can be really powerful. But you start noticing the presence of joy or delight or so sometimes uh, they call it rapture. I like the word joy. Um, and um, that's the third one. And then the fourth one is to notice the presence of happiness. 
And the difference between joy and happiness is that joy is a little bit more energetic uh, than happiness. Uh, joy is, uh, happiness tends to be much more settled and uh, peaceful feeling than joy. The image that's given is um, if someone is in the desert really thirsty <coughs> and they see a pond of drinking water in the distance, 